Welcome to the Dylan Experience. Today is episode 66, and I got a special guest for you today. But before we get to that guest, make sure you like, subscribe, follow the channel on whatever platform you're on. And today we are going to be discussing a topic that rarely sees public discussion. It can often be surrounded by feelings of guilt, shame, fear, and rejection, which is why we need to be able to have more discussions regarding the topic. With that being said, my guest today is a nine-year breast cancer survivor who, due to the side effects from cancer treatment, developed a form of sexual dysfunction. And because of that dysfunction, she created Entwine, a dating app, a, to create a comfortable place for single individuals struggling with sexual dysfunction to find companionship without the fear of being embarrassed or rejected because of their limitations. There's so much more behind that story, and I'm happy to share with you today, Anna Leonardo. Anna, Hello. how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm really Great. good. I'm, I'm I'm excited for this conversation because it's something that we haven't, I haven't had on the podcast before. Um, but I think it's a really, I, I think it's a remarkably important conversation that we don't have often, obviously, by the intro. But um, sexual dysfunction, sex in general, is such a taboo topic, and it's such a hard topic to have any kind of conversation around without being weirded out by. Um, so I'm curious, you know, with, obviously you had some, some initiative to, to make this happen for yourself, but with, with everything that you went through, how did you first start to come to talk about the subject and, and kind of uh, open yourself up to having those conversations? It, it was, it was hard to talk about it. Back in the day, now I talk about it to everybody because I'm right. like, you know what? I need to talk. I, gotta, I have to make people know that they're not alone because I felt like I was alone. I thought I was the only one with this issue. And I actually, I always had painful intercourse and, mm -hmm. and I used to go to the doctors uh, when I became sexually active, it was painful. I had endometriosis, if, if you know what that is, yep. but it can cause painful intercourse, irregular periods, heavy periods, uh, severe cramping. And so I dealt with that before I became sexually active. And then I when I became sexually active, I go, like, oh, okay, it's supposed to hurt the first time, second time still hurt. And it kept, it just it was always hurting. It was never pleasurable. And, and uh, of course that affected my, my sex drive. And when I was, I was married for 20 years. So I dealt with it for, for many years, you know, early on in the marriage. And I would go to the doctor and I would say, I have this issue. Like I can't even put in tampons. They hurt. And, and sex hurts and, and, and I don't have a sex drive and, and I'm worried because I you know I'm married and I'm, I'm supposed to be having sex and I, I'm avoiding it. And, and the doctor would just say, you're fine. Just have a glass of wine and you, you'll, it'll be okay. You need to relax. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And I would talk to my friends about it because they're like, oh, I had, you know, they talk about their sexual experience and I'm like, I don't have any of that. And like, well, you're probably with the wrong person. Like, what am I going to do? Cheat on my husband to find out if I'm with the right person, you know? So then I went to another doctor same thing. You're okay. Just have a glass of wine. You need to relax. I'm like, okay, what? right. This is it. I think it was three doctors that told me that that's when I was finding like, okay, I just have to deal with it. And I wanted to have kids. It's like, you know, in order to have kids, you got to have sex. So I just would fight through the pain. I wouldn't say anything. And I was just like, okay, is it almost over? You know, it was like, but I didn't want to say anything. Cause I don't want him to know he was hurting me. And, and uh, I'm like, stop. Let's like, talking to myself, like, stop being a baby, just deal with it. This is how it's supposed to be. And, and, you know, I don't want to get drunk. I wasn't a drinker. So I was like, well, that's not a, an answer. So I just, you know, I just felt alone and ignored. So 
so I was able to have two kids, thankfully, and uh, probably about a year after I had my my daughter, uh, the second child, um, I t- attempted to have sex and it, and it was like hitting a wall. So I thought, well, now what's wrong with me? So I thought maybe there's a tumor, maybe there's something wrong with me. So I went to a new doctor and she's like, you have vaginismus. And I was like, what, what is that? And she said, well, it's the, the muscles in the opening of your vagina are involuntarily spasming and, and it's making um, sex impossible or too painful. And I said, well, I've probably been dealing with this for so many years. It's just the doctors blew me off. Right. She's like, yeah, it, it just probably just became more you know, severe because it's um, over time. When, when, I went, when I had to go to pelvic floor therapist and when I went there, I said, why did this happen? And she's like, well, this is, this is an example of what is happening to your um, vaginal opening. The vaginismus is caused by like, so some, somebody comes up to you, they kept punching you in the stomach over and over again eventually when you would see them, you would kind of flinch and, right. you know, back away in the anticipation of the pain. So that's what my, my vagina was doing. And uh, so there's treatment for it, but uh, it's, it involves dilators and you have to like slowly, like it's, it's mind. And it's not right. all in my head. Like a lot of people think it's all in your head. I'm like, I was under anesthesia and I was getting, having a hysterectomy and the doctor said that it was, everything was spasming and I was knocked out. Yeah. So it's not all in my head, you know, part of it is, but uh, so there's, there's treatment for it. I started doing the treatment, but then I was 36 years old. I was in the shower and I found a breast lump. So I thought, well, this is probably nothing, you know, it's, and I worked in pathology at the time as a secretary for a while. And uh, I always see this cancer diagnosis coming in thinking, oh, it's nothing, you know, they're older and, and it's never going to be me. There's no family history. So I had a biopsy and uh, came back that I had cancer breast cancer. So I ended up having an MRI, found out I had another lump in the same breast and had that biopsy and found out I had another tumor in there. So I had a total of three tumors in my left breast of cancer at 36 years old. And I was like, how long has this been growing inside me? You know, so, so treating the vaginismus, which I also call my, my broken vagina is, uh, was, you know, kind of, it went in the back burner. I'm like, I'm not going to worry about that. Now I need to fight for my life because I, all I heard was aggressive, you have aggressive cancer, and you need to have chemo, you have to have a, a, a mastectomy. And so I was hearing all this stuff coming at me. I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, am I going to die? You know, because when I was younger, all my life, actually, I always thought I'm not going to make it to my forties. So when I found, found out I had cancer, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was right. So I'm 40, 46 now. So I was wrong this time, but good. Yes. I was good. happy it's, when I hit my 40. I'm like, wrong. oh, yeah, especially <laughs> for that. So so I had a, uh, I ended up having a, a double mastectomy and then I, I had a reconstruction surgery, a hysterectomy. So I, and I had, so I had a total of seven surgeries just to get rid of the cancer and I did chemotherapy, lost all my hair. And, uh, and the other thing I lost was my libido, which I already was non-existent as it was. But when I went to my oncologist, he said, your breast cancer is hormone positive. So we need to get rid of all the estrogen in your body. We need to force you into menopause. So it's going to cause vaginal dryness, painful intercourse, lack of libido. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, I remember my husband was sitting next to me. I'm like, this is going to get worse. I mean, I, I just couldn't, I thought, why, why am I going through all this? You know? So, so I thought, okay, well, there goes, you know, treatment for vaginismus. I mean, that's going to be on hold for a while, you know? So I, so I did beat the cancer. I'm in remission. It'll be actually 10 years in November. And which I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. So, so 
when I was going through the treatment and, and the vaginismus and all that stuff, I, I remember talking to my friends about it and saying like, you know, if I ever, I can go without sex forever and I wouldn't even care. And if I ever get divorced, I'm, I'm just going to be single because I don't want to date anybody. And they started talking and they're like, you know, there's a lot of guys that we've been dating that they're in their thirties and forties and they have ED, erectile dysfunction. And I thought, they're that young and they have erectile dysfunction and they're going on these regular dating apps. And I thought, how embarrassing is that for them? Or how intimidating is it for them? Cause they, they go on these dates with my friends and then first date or second date. And they're like, oh, by the way, I need to tell you this right now. I have erectile dysfunction. I have diabetes It's caused by prostate cancer, PTSD, medication, whatever it is. There's so many different causes of, of, um, for, for erectile dysfunction. So, so I, I would joke around with my friends. I'm like, well, you know, why don't you save those guys numbers? Cause if I ever if become single, I want to date a guy with ED, <laughs> but you know, they're like, you're crazy. I'm like, no, I'm really serious. I'm like, you know, cause I don't, I would never want to date anybody cause I'll be too scared. I was going to get rejected. So fast forward, you know, I don't know how many years that was ago. Um, I didn't know my marriage was coming to an end. So I thought, well, guess I'm going to be single. Cause that's what I thought to myself is I'd just rather not deal with anybody. The pressure of you know, knowing that I have to have sex and have to be in pain and I don't want to be in pain anymore. And, and uh, so I thought I'll just be single, but I thought, wait a minute, no, 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 I don't give up like that. So if I, you know, I went through endometriosis, vaginismus, breast cancer for a reason. First, I thought it's to help other people. So like when someone would get diagnosed with breast cancer or have a cancer scare, I would tell my friends, or I'll just say, Hey, if you know, anybody that's going through this, I think this is why I have breast cancer so I can help others. And then I thought this, I need to do something more. So what is it? And I remember just sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, wait, all right. So there's other, there's other men out there. I know that are having this issue. There's tons of women that have vaginismus and, and other uh, conditions that can cause painful intercourse or making intercourse, intercourse impossible. So I thought, how do I connect these individuals together? And that's when I thought, I need to create a dating app that takes the sexual expectations out of dating. So people like myself can date comfortably without the fear of being rejected or embarrassed because of their, their limitations. And, and it's, I couldn't believe that there was nothing else out there like it, but I thought this is, this is why, this is what I was meant to be meant to do. And, and, uh, and that's what I did. I found an app developer and, and had them coded and everything. And they took advantage of me and I, lost all my savings. So I almost gave up again, but I thought, you know what? No, I'm not going to let anybody take my dream away. And, and that's, I found another app developer and he, he got it to launch and it ended up launching in August of 2021. And, and, uh, I'm really excited about it. It's, it's, it's just I'm very passionate about it. I'm sure you can probably tell, but I just, I want, I want others to know they're not alone because I felt alone for so many years and I mean, even meeting new people, I want. I met a woman at uh, before she was about to get married, and she was all excited and everything. And then she started talking about me. What do you do for a living? And I told her about my app. And she just sat there and she was like, "Well, I have painful intercourse. It hurts all the time. I'm actually bleeding." And and I said, "Well, did you go to the doctor?" And she said, "I did." And the doctor told me to have a glass of wine and she needs to relax. And I was like, "What? They still say that?" <laughs> I said, "Well, you you could have something that's treatable." before you get married, you know, what if she gets married, doesn't know about this condition. Right. And it's, you know, because it can take, you know, it's a big toll on, on a marriage if, because you're, it's just, 
it's it's laughable that that is even a response to anything like it mm-hmm. I, I it just oh man it just, it just bothers me that 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 is even an option because like i'm i'm not even a doctor but i i feel like if if i was in that situation there would be certainly more research that i would do before i would ever say to someone you know just go have a glass of wine you'll be you'll be okay right the the body is a system and and that system, when it has issues uh, with with any kind of pain, there's something going on, right? That that may not mean it's wrong. It just may mean something needs to be understood. But there's always something to understand. If you don't know, don't tell someone to go have a glass of wine. Right. It's, it's fucked up. Just I, say, hey, you know what? I don't know, but let's take it to a pelvic floor specialist. Maybe I, they could find out. Maybe Nothing there's wrong with that. Maybe there's somebody else that might know. It just man, that's, ah, that's bothersome. I, you know, and, and, and it's not, it's not uncommon. This isn't the first time I've heard this. And, you know, obviously we're talking about, uh, you know, dating and we're talking about sex here, but it's not the first time I've, I've heard that in terms of like doctors and like sexual reproduction, like that, that this lack of response or this response that is so, dismissive and and ignorant has been consistent throughout you know my discussions with actually majority of women um i I rarely have conversations with men that result in the same uh kind of thing where you know get over it you'll be fine have a glass of wine or anything like that it's it's almost always women um which obviously that's anecdotal but it it is something to be understood a little bit more it's like why are women just being told to get over it I don't know. This is definitely, it needs to, men and women, you know, if you, if you go to a doctor and you say, hey, I'm having this pain or I'm having this issue, if they say, you know, you're fine, it's in your head, go to another doctor, you know, don't, don't give up because yeah. there, there's so many out there that there, there's treatment for most of the things that, that uh, anything that comes out, any new conditions or, you know, there, there could be treatment for, I mean, even like, for for men, if they suddenly have erectile dysfunction, they may think, "Oh, I'm not going to the doctor. Oh my gosh, my life is over." And right. and you know, maybe they they may even become suicidal because of it. Yep. And okay, maybe that's a warning sign. Maybe you have a blocked artery. Maybe maybe that's there's a underlying condition that that you're you're not you don't know. And maybe it's just you need your blood pressure is off. Maybe it's just right. like a simple thing. So they get it, whatever it is, get it checked out and. And uh, it's not the end of the world, and and uh, there's most likely there's it's an easy fix, but it's, it could be a big warning sign, and you don't want right. to wait till it's too late. If I waited for my breast lump, if I just like ignored it out of fear, I wouldn't be here anymore. Yeah, but you know, so just any kind of symptom you have going on, just go to the doctor, and if, if they don't answer you and blow you off, just go somewhere else because absolutely not, they don't know everything. Advocate for yourself, right? It but, it's every person is it kind of i think has to live by the rule of you don't know what you don't know right and if you if people think they know more than they don't know like sorry but you're probably wrong like we're humans and we are literally the definition of ignorant um and so exactly what anna said is like if you find yourself in a situation where someone just kind of dismisses you or, or ignores the the main problem move on, go find someone that will actually at least dig into your own 
um, history, dig into, you know, a deeper understanding of what might be going on. Um, advocate for yourself, even if it's uncomfortable, advocate for yourself. Um, but Anna, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the dating app itself. Um, so, so tell me about, like you said, you launched in August of 21, correct? Mm-hmm. So how, you know, it's almost a year since then. Yeah. Um, how's it been doing? You know, like, what are you, what kind of numbers are you seeing? So it's, it's really hard to reach this unique demographic because it's very taboo and nobody wants to talk about it. And, yeah. and uh, so, and I'm doing this all on my own. So as organic as possible, I'm, I'm, I have about 160 users right now. And right now it's only available in the US, mm-hmm. but my goal is to have it available worldwide. I already have uh, some people contacting me from UK and Canada, Australia, India, Pakistan, they're saying, when is this app going to be available in my country? I need this app. And then I just say, well, you know, not yet, but as soon as it's real, you know, just grows in the U S and, and uh, make sure that it's working correctly, then I can branch out to other, to other countries. But uh, I, I have, I haven't received any success stories from anybody yet, but I have received multiple emails from uh, individuals that like a gentleman, which I actually learned about this condition after he opened up to me, but he said, I wanted to let you know, I wanted to thank you for creating this dating app. I have something called Peroni's disease and Peroni's disease is the abnormal curvature of the penis and it can cause painful erections and painful intercourse. So he said that he's, he's felt, felt like a fraud all, for all these years to these, to these women that he's been dating because he doesn't tell them about his condition until they're intimate and then they see it. And then they, then they, you know, he's caught off guard or they are caught off guard and then they insult him or embarrass him. And, and so he's like, I just stopped dating. And I was like, well, how many men have Peroni's disease? And I, I started realizing that's very common as well. And so then I had a, a, a lady message me and said that she's been single for, I think it was like 15 years. And same thing. She said she is intercourse is too painful and she doesn't have a sex drive, but she wants, she's just so excited to use my dating app so that she can meet somebody that won't expect that. And it's okay. And, you know, they know right away, the cards are on the table. If they use this app, intercourse may not be a possibility. And it just takes so much pressure off the table, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I, and I, I also, I started, I wanted to see how it was to, to date with my, with my condition. Right. And so I started meeting people. And the first guy I talked to before I even went on a date with him, he asked for my number. And I said, well, let me tell you about conditions I have. So I started telling him about it and he's like, oh, well, you have other holes, right? So I was like, yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, so I heard that from a few men. Um, one of them was said, uh, you have the perfect reason why a guy wouldn't want to be with you. So that was nice. Um, wow. And, you know, and I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I'm not upset. I'm not crying. I'm not thinking, oh no, he's right. I'm more like, wow, there's, a, there's so many that have heard this and they're just not dating anymore and they're alone and they want that companionship, but they don't know what to do because it's like, how do you pick which man or woman is going to be okay with your condition? So, so, uh, you know, I hear, what about anal? You know, that's great too. Um, wait till you're with me. I'll cure you. You have an orgasm with me yet. I'll cure you for that way too. And, and uh, so, and I just kind of laugh about it. So, and some of them kind of like, well, I'm older now. I guess I don't really need it. 
And that's like, don't convince yourself, you know, if you need it, you need it. And that's understandable, you know, so I'd rather have a guy be honest. And I have heard that before a couple of times or, Hey, you're great. I love to date you, but I have to have sex. That's something, you know, I'm just, and I say, you know what, I'd rather you be honest than, you know, so it's honest and respectful. I I, I think, (laughs) I I think like, it's so, it's so baffling. Like I, I don't see you know, I've obviously got a lot of male friends um, and you just never see the opposite that often, right? You never see women be completely disrespectful to men in terms of how, how dating is conducted. It happens, right? It's, I'm not saying women are perfect, but you just don't see that very often where there's, there's this sense of entitlement and selfishness in terms of when the conversation becomes sexual in terms of dating, where there's just this complete and utter disregard for respect in the conversation, right? Like we're like, what is happening, right? Like why, why does it have to become something that's selfish for you as a man versus disrespectful for the woman and shaming and guilting and, and, and giving up all of this, uh, you know, all of you, you, this, this person is being vulnerable with you. Be respectful. Mm -hmm. You know, like that, that is something that, that, that just bothers me so much because it's, it's not, it's not a hard thing to do. And if you're going to be an asshole, like go find, go find a dating app that is for assholes, right? Like maybe someone should create one of those, right? Like you, (laughs) you've got a great idea here, but let's, let's isolate the problems and send them over there and people can go find them if they want. Um, It's just, it's, it's annoying, right? Like you shouldn't have to deal with that. Like people should have this, this sense of respect to look at someone that has a, has something that is a struggle that is, you know, debilitating in some way or shameful in some way and know, be respectful and understand that that person has, has some emotions, has some feelings, has some, um, some insecurities there. Mm. Just, Just don't be a dick. It's not hard. Like, it's not hard. I've never, I haven't, I mean, I was with the same guy since eighth grade. So I was married for 20 years with the same guys for eighth grade. So I never dated before, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. I didn't really, I didn't have any guy friends or anything, but so I didn't, I never was in a relationship where I was like slowly get to know the person first. So they get Mm -hmm. to get to know me and then tell them my, my condition. Cause like some, some of my friends were like, don't tell these guys that you have the vaginismus yet wait till they get to know you and then let them decide you know if they if they're if they like if they're a good person they'll stay with you and I was like no that's not fair either because then they're going to feel like a jerk because they have to tell me hey you know what this is a problem and then I'm going to be attached so that's why right away I'm just telling people and I'm just like you know some of them are not all guys are insensitive about it but uh majority of them have been but and I just kind of laugh you know, and I just like, okay, I'm gonna write that one down. I'm gonna write that in a blog one day, you know, so at, at the same time, I think I think your way is, I think it's more appropriate, because it well, for, for two reasons, like one, I think it's it's good to make sure that the information's out there, right? And you're not surprised by it. Right. Um, two, I think it's actually better for you, because clearly, these guys that that come back with ridiculous responses, are not going to be the right guys for you. Right. Like right. The, they're just not like if, if you can't have a, just a base level of respect to say, oh, wow, that's a, that's a difficult issue. Maybe I should be 
conscious of that and be respectful of that, um, then like, why would you want to be, why would you want to be with them? Right? Like that's the kind of person that you probably don't want to be with. Um, because you're going to probably be you, especially as, as the owner of this, um, dating app, you're going to be talking to a lot of people, uh, regarding that. And so why would you want to have a partner that can't have a base level of respect for anything like that? You know, so it's, it's probably a good thing that they're, they're being a bunch of assholes and you can move on and let them, let them go. I, I think it's really remarkable, um, your ability to kind of brush them off. Um, and, and move forward. And that's, that's hard, right? Like it's, it's hard to face things like that and, and uh, responses like that all the time, because, you know, it's just a constant reminder of, you know, what you have and how other people look at them, look at you. And I, I love that you have this, this grounded ability to look at yourself and say, I, I am who I am. And that's, that's not going to change. And I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I think that's, I think that's really powerful. And I think that's really important. And I, and I am curious, like, where, where do you think that kind of came from? Where do you think you established that, that ability to be very secure with something that so many people are remarkably insecure about? I'm a very, well, for the most part, not anymore, I guess, but I'm a very shy person. And especially when it comes to sex, I don't like to talk about sex or or anything like that, because it's always a bad experience for me, you know, and I never enjoyed it. So, mm-hmm. uh, and when, when I, when I have these, uh, rude comments coming at me, I do brush it off because it's a reminder to me that I created a dating app for, so that people don't have to hear this. And so that's why I'm like, you know what, this is great. Or sometimes I like kind of lose like in the beginning, when I started doing this app, I'm like, this isn't a good idea. You know, I already got taken advantage of with the first app people. And, and, you know, maybe this isn't a good idea. And then I'll tell someone my story. And then they're like, this is, a, this is brilliant. And then I'm like, oh, then I get like all this energy again. I'm like, okay, this is, this is a good idea. And when I talk to a, a healthcare professional or a mental health therapist, uh, same thing, you know, it's just like, it, it just, when I, when I have people come to me and, and message me and saying, thank you for talking about this, or thank you for saying this on the podcast, I heard it and I'm going to go check, get checked out. I think I have that condition. And it just, it just keeps reminding me that there's a reason there, this is great. This is, this is why I have to be vulnerable yeah. and, and I need to open up because if I don't, who's going to do it. And, and, you know, even I was getting interviewed by, a, 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 was it? he's an anesthesiologist in New Zealand and uh, on a podcast recording. And in the middle of the show, he goes, I have erectile dysfunction. And it was just like random. I looked when well, I random, but we were talking about erectile dysfunction. He just said it. And then, and I could tell in his face that he's never told anybody that. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then he's like, I see the only person I know is my doctor and my, uh, my wife. And I was like, and, now, just everybody. Said, now sit and everybody that's listening to your podcast, you know? So after the, after the show, he's like, you know, I was, I was going to cancel the show when I saw that you, you know, that you had, you were, we were going to talk about sexual dysfunction. And he's like, I didn't want to talk about my sexual dysfunction. And then when I heard you start talking and, and how vulnerable you were and how open you were about your condition, he's like, why don't I say something? And, 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 uh, and that's when he ended up announcing it to however many followers he has, you know? So, mm. so I was like, wow, this is, this is great. I mean, a healthcare professional, a doctor just admitted you know, so it's like, it's, we got to end the stigma of it because 
there are many men out there that have this erectile dysfunction and, and they, they, uh, you know, like I said before, before it could be a major warning sign that there's a stroke coming or, or something, you know, but so we, we just got to keep talking about it and, and definitely on the stigma of it so we can save people's lives. And, you know, even like I said, the, the emotionally, the suicidal, uh, individuals because of it. Right. And I, I've, I've been, I'm in a group of erectile dysfunction, so erectile dysfunction support group. And there was a man that put on there, I don't even know why I'm living anymore. No woman is going to want to be with me with ED. And then I saw the comments and people were saying like, you know, there's, there's a lot of veterans that have committed suicide because of it. And they, they say like one month prior to them committing suicide, they would talk about how lonely they were because of their, their sexual dysfunction. And, and, and that's, they think that was the reason why they committed suicide. And I'm like, this, it's just, yeah, it's, it's scary. And it's like, that's so like, I got to reach so many people to let them know you're not alone. You know, don't be, don't be ashamed. And, you know, if you have this condition, you don't have to have surgery. You don't have to have treatment. Like I don't, I chose not to have treatment you don't have to have treatment, do it for yourself, not for somebody else. And you don't have to do penile injections or implants if you don't want to do that. So it's that's so that's what keeps me going is is just knowing that I, I need to keep talking about it. My, my parents are very old school Italians. So my mom's like you know, with very heavy accent. She's like, I can't believe you talk about your broken vagina on the internet. <laughs> like, mom, I said, I have to. You don't understand. I have to talk about it. If I don't talk about it, no, no one's going to listen. So <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. She's, she's very, she's, I can't believe you talk about sex on the internet. Or, or, well, okay. It's just, it's fine, mom. Don't listen to my shows. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It's it, you're, you're right though. Like the, cause I do the same thing in terms of suicide and, and many mental health uh, issues, this, right. Like we're, we're on my podcast for a reason, having this conversation because, you know, it's, ultimately what leads to people either devaluing their lives or like literally ending their lives is disconnection, right? And so many different things create and cause disconnection that we need to address how we actually have those conversations. And we've never really been able to have a conversation around things like erectile dysfunction or sexual dysfunction um, in both men or women. Um, I think it's always been, uh, I think historically it's, it's definitely been more focused on blaming women than it has been on blaming men. Um, and, and really there shouldn't be any blame, but that's kind of how I think the conversation has been, uh, orchestrated in the past. I think it's always been like, you know, if, if, uh, you know, if a couple can't have babies, it's the man that usually looks at the woman and says, why can't you? produce for me. And, and that's just not a comfortable conversation. I don't think that's the right way to have a conversation. Um, and I, I think that has brought us to where we are now is, is where people look at themselves and say, you know, it, whether a man or a woman look at themselves and say, well, I, I, I can't do what society thinks is the, the way to have a relationship or the way to find love, which is sex. Um, because everything in society seems to be so hypersexualized um that then they attach their worth and their value to that idea like if i can't have sex then i'm not a man um, or, or if you know if i can't have sex then i'm not worthy of you know 
being in a relationship or worthy of being, you know, of alive. I mean, that's to me, that's it's ludicrous, right? Like it doesn't make any sense, right? Because walk outside nature and you'll find that there's so much more value to life than just having sex, right? Mm-hmm. Sex is is simply pleasure, right? It's it's a fleeting emotion. It's a thing that happens, you know, so quickly in the grand scheme of life. You go outside, you live your life, you go enjoy nature, you go enjoy, you know, doing a hobby, you go become a competitive whatever, right? You go become an athlete, you go become a, a, an entrepreneur, anything. Well, you could do anything, right? You could, you're doing, obviously you're building a, a platform for people, right? That That's enjoyment, right? Like that's pleasure too. It's not always about physical. It's it's so remarkably important to remember that life is not about what society tells you it should be, right? It's not always about sex. It's not always about, you know, being Elon Musk or, you know, Steve Jobs or anything like that. Sometimes it's literally about being next to a person and enjoying that person for who they are, right? It's there's, not- There's also other forms of intimacy. I mean, it doesn't have to absolutely. be sex. Right. So there could be cuddling, kissing, yeah. uh, even long conversations. And there's so, so many different forms of intimacy. It doesn't, you know, so if you can't have sex or intercourse, then that doesn't mean that you don't deserve to be loved or, or to have the other t- type of, yeah. of, of affection, because there's, there's a lot more to a relationship than just intercourse. Absolutely. And that, I, I wish we had more conversations about that um, because I think, well, I think I think social media has certainly been um, at the forefront of making those conversations happen. Obviously, we're here today because of, uh, in many ways, social media. At least I am here. The only reason I'm doing this podcast literally started with TikTok, right? Um, which you know, at the time of this podcast, is a remarkably high-performing social media uh, application um, that has helped me kind of expose a lot of my vulnerabilities and and have conversations on in the very same regards as what you're doing right i talk about suicide for the most part um but now i've kind of branched out of like there like suicide isn't the problem it's the result right it's the result of things like ptsd it's the result of things like uh you know erectile dysfunction and family issues and i could keep going on that list is almost infinite right because Ultimately, these things that we aren't able to have conversations about are the things that end up destroying us, whether physically, emotionally, spiritually, it doesn't matter, right? And if either of us had continued to be silent about what we have, it it would have caused us more discomfort, whether in our relationship or not. Um, And for me, I would have died, right? That's my story. I would have ended my life. Um, for you, it could have led to a full life of complete discomfort in relationships without ever having the ability to advocate for yourself, which then often leads to things like autoimmune disorders, um, cancers, you know, so many different things that there's science out there that are talking about when you have the inability to speak to the inability to advocate for yourself, your body literally starts killing you if you won't. And that's, that's a remarkably powerful thing to understand is that if you don't talk about your problems, if you don't talk about the things that you struggle with, if you don't talk about the things that your body literally feels have 
you know, are, are wrong, um, it can kill you, whether by your own hand or your body's decision to, to you know, allow um, certain physical ailments to, to develop. Like these, these are real things, real tangible things that are, that are killing you inside if you're not paying attention to them. It's crazy. Very true. And and we need to start having conversations about them, which is why we're here. But you know, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I was thinking about uh, a lady I was speaking to, and I talked was telling her about my app, and she said, uh, she was, you know, my neighbor is uh, she's a breast cancer survivor. She had a hysterectomy. She always talks about how sex is really painful. Her husband that she's with right now is very. Um, abusive emotionally physically and you know she doesn't want to have sex because it hurts but she you know she just feels like she's stuck and I said well why doesn't she divorce him and she said well because she said that no one's going to want to be with her because she can't have sex and um because of all the scars that she has and no without any breasts and she just doesn't feel like a woman and she doesn't want to be alone so she's in stuck in this relationship and I'm like okay now there's people like that that I need to reach out to because they think like, oh, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to stay in this abusive relationship because no one's going to ever going to want me, but that's not true either. So it's, you know, there's a lot of, then people don't like to talk about it. You know, she happens to tell her neighbor about it, but there's, it's, it, there's a lot of people that think they're alone yeah. and that it's just, they're not alone. They just need to, to, uh, to speak up. And I mean, even like myself, I never went through therapy or mental health therapy, uh, counseling through my whole cancer diagnosis or anything. And I just started realizing I needed to see a therapist when I started joining all these podcasts and I started talking about my story and I was like, holy shit, I went through a lot. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I need to heal myself. So, yeah. so, uh, I started seeing a therapist and I was like, you know, so she started, you know, digging deep. I'm like, thanks for ripping all my scabs off when I come in here, you know? And, but um, I'm so happy that, and not embarrassed about it, but I, that I go to a, a therapist now and, and talk about everything. Cause I, I have been through a lot and, and, uh, so if there's somebody out there, that's, you know, scared to go to a therapist, you know, just go, go to one, try it out. You know, you don't like them, then move on or whatever, but it's not good to hold all that stuff in. Cause mine's all pour, coming, pouring out right now. And it's just, you know, it's just, it was a little overwhelming when I saw, I was like, I think I'm going to lose my mind. I think I need to go to, to talk to somebody. So. Yeah. It's, when it's and going to therapy is like dating. <laughs> like yeah. you got to find the right one, right? Like there's, right. you know, there's, there's so many, there's so many different kinds of therapists, right? There's, there's therapists, there's counselors, there's uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, and then each of them have their own specialties. There's trauma, EMDR. Um, there's, there's, all sorts of different kind of, uh, you know, DBT and CBT, so many different kinds of therapy that just because you go to one um, and have a bad experience doesn't mean you'll go to the next one and have a bad experience. It's really about picking and choosing who you want to actually talk to. Um, and I, I really think it's if, and maybe even go to go to multiple, right? Like I have, I have clients cause I'm a mental health coach. I have clients that go to therapists and me, right. And so they get this kind of differing kind of experience. Like I have very experiential understanding of mental health and that's, uh, 
that's also kind of guided by the research that I, I think is relevant and important right now. Um, and then you have the clinical uh, therapists that, that have, you know, that, that side of the story where they have a, a more clinical approach and that's really important, right? Like I, I don't know what I don't know and I'm okay with that. I would, I, I love it when my clients go to multiple different people. Um, I have clients that go to um, EFT and tapping coaches as well as going, coming to me. And so there's, there's this dynamic where if you're approaching your mental health, like you would approach, you know, you know, you, you know, building your car, right? Like you don't just go to a mechanic shop. You might go to a sound, a sound place, right? You might go to um, a paint shop, right? Like you, you approach it from different angles where you're actually diagnosing very specific things about yourself. And then you are the, the kind of the, the conductor, you get to look at each piece and say, this is where I think it fits in. And then you can have more conversation and then you put the piece more, right? You need to be um, kind of the arbiter and the guide of your own experience. And if you're not, you're going to succumb to people that will take advantage of you or tell you their opinion when their opinion, quite frankly, is probably wrong because they know nothing about you. Um, I think it's remarkably important to sit with yourself and guide yourself. But if you don't have the knowledge, go to someone that does, and then always filter it through your understanding of yourself, right? Nobody else has the context that you've lived through. And so when you're, when you're coming to a person like me, and you have a conversation, you say, Dylan, you know, this is what I've been through. What do you think? One of the first things I'm going to tell you is like, I don't know, I don't know shit about you, right? You can ask me what I think, but what I think is really not that important as, as your entire story coming together and you understanding why you are here in this position right now. But if you have a therapist that doesn't know how to say that, you could, you could succumb to the, the fact that you may have bipolar, right? And be misdiagnosed because you really have CPTSD or PTSD. Um, and it, it can become a real problem later on because you're you're thinking you have bipolar and the reality is is that you have a completely different diagnosis that this person just didn't have the capacity to you know fully understand and fully allow to be developed before making a decision and so you really have to advocate for yourself in this whole journey of mental health that's what i've learned over the past 10 years um, because if you don't other people will tell you what they think and what they think is probably wrong if it has anything to do with your story because people just don't know your story kind of like have a glass of wine kind of like have a glass of wine you know what if you have a problem go have a glass of wine that'll solve everything yeah, right? right according to uh anna's doctors <laughs> <laughs> sarcasm sarcasm yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i i'm i'm curious what you know what is what is your next steps where are you going um, you know, what? obviously, you know, the dating app isn't going anywhere. So what's the plan? What are, what are you going to be doing for the next few years? Definitely growing the, the database of, of the, of the app and expanding to other countries, because I, it really bothers me for me to tell individuals that are desperate yeah. 
to find companionship to tell them I'm sorry it's not available in your country yet so that's my main goal is to have it available worldwide so I don't need to tell anybody that because it's uh I know it's needed and I, I looked it up there's like 320 million men in the world that have erectile dysfunction it's a lot it's just not a small number that's for sure yeah and I think it's I think it is quite common in terms of lifetime experience right I think at some point <clears throat> men uh, you know correct me if I'm wrong but I, I think at some point some some men will will deal with erectile dysfunction even if even if it's temporary of sorts right I mean it could be performance anxiety too you know so once right. that's in your head you're like oh no I must have a problem and then it's hard to get that out of your head you know so right yeah and and that's you know even if it's even if it's for a short time, like that's still something that, that can be remarkably shameful and, and guilt ridden and fearful and like all sorts of things that require us to have conversations um, rather than hiding it and feeling shamed, open up about it to the right people um, and allow it to be solved. You know, I, I think with guys, men, they, Maybe I don't, I don't think you guys have conversations. Like if you have a group of friends and you're like wondering, why is that guy, why is my friend always single? Why doesn't he ever date? Like he, he might have that problem and he doesn't know about my app in Twine. And that could be the answer that, you know, but, but no one wants to talk about it because it's embarrassing. It, it doesn't relate to them. But so it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's obviously not a conversation. I don't think guys have, I mean, even girls, they don't talk about that, you know? So unless I bring it up, then they have, I've had a couple guys in person I remember I met uh, this guy was um, talking to me and uh, he was really nervous to come up to me because his friends were like, go talk to her, go talk to her. So he came up to me and I don't know why we went on the subject right away about my app. And I started talking about my app and his eyes teared up and, and he's just like, I have erectile dysfunction. It's like, how did you know I have it? I'm like, I, I don't, I mean, he was low, he was actually really drunk, but, um, but he was just like, I said, how long have you been single? He's like, like eight years because I don't want to date anybody. I'm scared. And, and he's like, I don't want to be embarrassed. And, and, and I was just like, oh, and like I was hugging this stranger, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm like, there's, there's a nap for you, you know, but I think he was really, really, really drunk, but, um, but he was just like, he was looking around. He's like, don't tell my friends. Don't tell my friends. I'm like, I'm not going to tell your friends. It's okay. Cause they're embarrassed. You know, they don't want to be made fun of and stuff, but yeah. I kind of just put flyers all over the place, like in the men's bathrooms and stuff and all the bars and restaurants and <laughs> just yeah. try to reach everybody, you know, cause I obviously can't do, put a commercial out there, but once I hopefully have funding, cause right now my app is free and, uh, but you know, it's just to be able to market more effectively, that, that would be, that would be, uh, there'll be so much, such a difference just being able to reach therapists and urologists and cancer centers and and it's but you know me by myself it's not it's not working that well right now but it's it's slow right. well, but it's, it's growing i know we're a lot of uh i know there's a lot of people right now and that's on tiktok you can always start there yeah, i guess i gotta <laughs> do that <laughs> yeah i i think i think things like this are are remarkably successful on platforms like tiktok right obviously uh, you know, TikTok's not going to be organically, uh, you know, 
available like it like it has been for everybody but right now it still still has potential right if you start an account um and 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 consistently post um there are people that post once a day there's people that post like seven eight times a day um but it's your own experience right like what it would whatever you want to do in terms of uh social media i think social media is a long-term thing not a short-term thing um so you don't want to burn yourself out and this is you know this is for kind of anybody that wants to kind of build a platform um what you don't want to do on social media is is put yourself in a position where you feel like you have to give everything all the time 100 percent of the time that's not beneficial i treat it like a job right um and, and but a job that i can do whenever i want right so it's not it's not something that i have to you know it's it's not like an expectation like i'm i'm a father or i'm a i'm a husband right like where i have to i have to give everything right like because i do in as a father and a, as a husband i have to give what you know to to make sure i can produce for my family and take care of my family and do what they need um, same as my wife does for me and our family. Social media is not that, right? It is it is literally something that is a an add-on and it should be just an add-on. You shouldn't treat it as something that you you know de- develop this this intimate relationship with. I think it should be intimate in terms of conversation, right? You give up the vulnerabilities to have the conversation, but what it is 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 in, is a form of expression it's not this overwhelming burden that you have to put on yourself right you should want to do this for the rest of your life right and if you want to do it for the rest of your life you're not going to post every single day for the rest of your life unless you actually enjoy that mm-hmm. um if you don't enjoy it don't do that right um but there's you know there's that uncomfortable versus comfort right if if you don't like posting I don't personally, it, it's, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot on me if I'm doing it every day. So I've taken a break, like the last month I've been kind of absent from social media because of, um, I just had a baby, right? So I'm not going to overwhelm myself, um, but I'm going to be there. I'm going to come back and I'm going to post and I'm going to provide content for the people that want to hear my, my words and my experiences and my, uh, my recommendations, all sorts of different things, whatever I post, my education. Um, but that's how it should be. Because if you burn yourself out, what's the point, right? We're talking about sensitive topics that are that are going to need to be out there and available on the internet for people that, like us 10 years ago, didn't have the ability to speak and talk about our stuff. Um, and it put us in really difficult positions. Um, and the only way to do that is to be there, to be available for long-term, right? And then, so that's that's how I kind of look at it, right? I'm not here for TikTok. I'm here for, I'm here for TikTok, Instagram, whatever, the flip-flop, the next social media platform that comes out that has organic reach. I'm going to be there too, right? And and so when I, when I see that next one, I'm going to transfer over. I'm going to be like, hey, start, start moving here because that's where I'm going to focus my attention because I can reach more people for a short amount of time, but I'm still going to be there essentially for as long as is necessary. That's why I have a book. That's why I'm going to have, you know, have this podcast out. Like these are long-term platforms um, that just 
are bolstered by the smaller platforms that funnel people here to say, hey, listen to Dylan's podcast about this subject right here if you have erectile dysfunction because this is important for you, right? Clearly, right? So I just, I just continue to put out content when I can um, and just always be available, right? And don't burn yourself out, right? There's no point in burning yourself out because you can't help anybody when you're burnt out. True. You know? So that's my spiel on, on social media. If that helps you, I, I hope it does. Cause it does. Um, it's, it's something, this topic is something that's so, it's so difficult to talk about, right? It's so, it's so difficult for people to just come out and, you know, say I have erectile dysfunction, even to themselves, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's so hard. It's so guilt-ridden and shameful for them to even look at themselves for whatever reason. Right. And that's maybe something that we need to look into. Um, but to then just look for a solution, you know, and that's, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we're talking about this. Um, though I don't know what that feels like. I, I I know it happens, right. And that there's a reason why you're on the podcast today is, is that people need to understand that there are people like you and me that look at this situation and say, I don't, I don't care if that's what you have, right. You're still human being to me. And I want to treat you as such. I could care less about your sexual performance, right? I, and, and I'm a guy saying that, right? Like, and I'm, I'm not only just a guy, I'm an infantryman, right? I'm a sniper. I, I do all the manly stuff. I could give two shits about anyone's sexual performance. If you're a good human being, I like you. If you're not, I don't like you. That, I mean, that's, that's pretty straightforward for me. If you act like a terrible human being, you hurt people. I just have no, I have no care for you. Um, but if you're a good human being and you, you know, you take care of other people, you support other people, you help other people, you also help yourself. I love you. I appreciate you. It's that simple. So it should be. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I absolutely agree. So, Anna, is there anything, um, is there anything you right now in terms of like the app? How would you? how can people help you with that? Like what, what can they do with entwined dating um, that you need help with? Like if, if you were to ask something from the audience or ask something for me, like, what do you need right now? Just to share the app. I mean, a lot of people are embarrassed to share it. It's like, I don't want to be associated with having sexual dysfunction. That's actually my friends. Some of my guy friends say that too. Well, I don't want anybody to know that, you know, they think I'm on the app, you know, so just, just share it because there might be somebody that, you know, and love and that family member or something that is going through this. And if you share, you might be helping somebody just, just keep sharing. And, and uh, that's, that's the biggest thing is word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Too easy. Well, Anna, let's, uh, let's close this out with, with one more question and see, see where, excuse me, see what you think. Um, if there was one message you could leave the world, you know, what would that be? If you are somebody that is going through sexual dysfunction or just feel suicidal for whatever reason, don't, and in your life is not, you know, should never be an option, but especially if it's something with, with, if you think you have sex, if you have sexual dysfunction, you think you're, 
just not worth being alive or being loved or anything. Just that's not true. There's, there's somebody out there that will accept you just the way you are and don't give up. And, and this entwine might be the answer for you to, to find that companionship so that you're not alone and, and someone will love you just the way you are. And, and regardless of your, of your limitations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Anna, for joining me on the podcast. Um, if you want to, if you want to check out the dating app, you can go to www.entwinedating.com. That'll be in the description below. Um, I'm guessing you're on most social medias, I imagine. Correct? Yeah, Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, and I'm just starting on the TikTok. So perfect. She she's going to be rolling in TikTok. Uh, yeah, watch out, soon. guys. Um, so you know, if you if you haven't followed her there, go check out. Uh, go check it out. I'll see if there's a, if I can put the link in the description um, for you, go, go check her, her content out. And again, for, for all of those of you out there listening to this, thank you very much for listening. And we'll catch you next time on the Dylan experience. And that's it. <laughs>